As the market continues to shift, the needs of your ideal customers are shifting as well. Who are your ideal prospects and customers? What do they want? Today's guest, Mark Hunter, coaches us on how to develop an ideal customer profile. Are you ready to accelerate the growth of your business? Welcome to the Revenue Growth Podcast. This is the place for business owners, sales leaders, and marketing professionals to get ideas and inspiration to drive exponential revenue growth. Each week, you'll get actionable insights from the world's leading marketing and sales thought leaders and practitioners. Are you ready to grow? Let's join our host, Daryl Amy, author of Revenue Growth Engine. Welcome back to the Revenue Growth Podcast on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. I'm your host, Daryl Amy, trailblazer and growth architect. You know, companies that work to align marketing and sales see results. And to help support the cause of alignment and to provide practical tools, we launched the 2021 Sales and Marketing Alignment Challenge. If you missed the launch, no worries. You can catch all of the incredible recordings at www.2021alignmentchallenge.com or text the word alignment to 21000. You'll also get access to all of our bonus sessions throughout the year, including the one we just did with Joey Coleman. One of the sponsors of the challenge was the Outbound Conference. And if you're in sales, you don't want to miss this incredible opportunity to upgrade your skills and your motivation. You're going to be trained by the best in the business, including Jeb Blunt, Victor Antonio, Larry Levine, Jim Carr, myself, and many more. Check out www.outboundconference.com to get your in-person or virtual tickets. And you can use the code ALIGNMENT100 to get $100 off your ticket. At the Outbound Conference, you're also going to hear from Mark Hunter, the sales hunter. And Mark is our guest today on the Revenue Growth Podcast. We're going to feature his session from the 2021 Sales and Marketing Alignment Challenge on the critical topic of ideal customer profiles. Defining your ideal customer is a great activity for sales and marketing to discuss together to get agreement and alignment. With the changes during the pandemic, your ideal customer may have changed, and there's also a good chance that their needs have changed as well. Marketing and sales can work together to define the ideal customer profile and document the needs. And this forms a foundation for the right prospects and the right message. So today, Mark is going to give you a comprehensive list of questions you can explore together as sales and marketing to define your ideal client. This session is practical and is going to help you get clarity. So grab a pen and a notepad and get ready to learn from Mark after a word from our sponsors. That's absolutely right. And as we get ready to introduce our instructor and coach for the day, you know, one of the things I really believe, Jim, and why I'm so, so focused on this as a high leverage opportunity is the market's changing. We talked about that yesterday with Meredith. We're in an uncertain marketplace. Things are changing. They're evolving. That means client needs are evolving. Some clients are going out of business. Some clients and prospects are kicking up new businesses. 
which is why right now, maybe more than ever, it is important for us to revisit our ideal customer profile. If you don't have one, you're going to learn how to make one today. If you do have one, you're going to be inspired to optimize it. So without further ado, I want to introduce what I believe personally is one of the best, one of the clearest, most focused and concise teachers on ICP, none other than the sales hunter himself, Mr. Mark Hunter. Join me in welcoming Mark Hunter to the 2021 Sales and Marketing Alignment Challenge. What's going on, Mark? The crowd goes wild. Hey, I'm doing I'm doing great. And uh, knowing that Meredith opened for me, that means I got a pretty high bar. I got to jump over. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm for sure. Yeah. Well, fantastic. And we're looking forward to uh, learning about ICP. So ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mark Hunter. Hey, thank you so much. And what I'm going to talk about, we're going to talk about ideal client profile, ideal customer profile, but stop and ask yourself this question. There was a phrase used years ago, 50% of my advertising budget is wasted. I just don't know which 50%. Now, a lot of people have been attributed to that. Who knows who actually said it the first time? So marketing people, uh, 50%. Salespeople, you know what? It's probably about 90% of our effort is wasted because you know what it is? We're focused on the wrong people. Hey, here's something to think about. Maximum revenue does not occur at maximum sales. Mm -mm, no. Maximum revenue occurs at something less than that because you're targeted in on the high value audience. And that's what we're going to be talking about here today. Now, I want you to ask yourself this question. There's only really three ways that you can get business. Three ways. And that is repeat, inbound referral. I lumped that together. And create. That's it. That's it. And too many businesses, what I find is that they rely on the, the repeat or the inbound referral. And sales is kind of left out there creating, but they're not really creating because here's the problem. They're just spinning their wheels. Marketing and sales, this is where we need to get alignment. I'm going to walk you through 22 things, 22, take notes, 22 things that you need to be looking at in terms of understanding who is your ideal customer profile. But to get into that, let, let's, let's first take a look at something. We don't sell stuff. We don't sell stuff. We help people achieve what they didn't think was possible. That's what our that's what we do. We we don't sell stuff. We help people achieve what they didn't think was possible. Today alone, there were more than 1,000 people who woke up this morning needing what we have to offer. But they'll go to bed tonight not knowing it because we never contacted them. See, here's the problem. We can't contact everybody. We can't. I, I don't care how effective your sales, how effective your marketing is. You got to get zeroed in. And it really comes down to unlocking who is the right customer, who is the right client that you want to be focusing. Now, there are four very basic questions. These are not part of the 22, but these are four basic questions that you really need to stop and ask. What is the outcome we create? Now, stop and think about what is the what is the outcome we create? What is the difference we provide? Because chances are there are probably other people out there that create similar outcomes. Three, what allows us to stand apart from others? And four, who is our perfect customer? Okay, with that, you can turn this thing off and go and you can say you figured it out. But hey, here's the whole thing. These 
four questions, really three, which lead to the uh, who is our perfect customer, really sets us up here. So here, let's start walking through the 22 things. 22 things. One, who are your existing customers? I want you to, first of all, take and, and, and you get that list. And, and this sounds basic, but it's amazing the number of companies that don't do this. Who are all your existing customers? And I want you to go back three, four, five years. Two, ask yourself this question. What's the outcome you provide? What's the outcome you provide? And then what I want you to do is I want you to begin segmenting those outcomes. See, it's not what you sell. The customer isn't looking to buy what you have to sell. They're looking to solve something. They're looking to solve a problem. So I take these outcomes and I begin to segment. I begin to segment to see if there's clusters that begin to appear. Okay. Number three on the list, who else would benefit from the from your outcome segments? In other words, what are other types of customers? What are other types of businesses? What are other types that would benefit from those segments? You see, you know, do they line up with existing customers? You see, what I'm looking for is I'm saying, hmm, can I begin to line these up with existing customers? Because what I want to do when I create my ICP, I want to have no more than three different ICPs. Ideally, you only have two. In a perfect world, you only have one. But chances are, because of what you sell and how you do business, you may have one, two, or three. So you may create one, two, or three buckets. And this is what you're going to get to over the course of what I'm going to share with you in the next 18, well, next 26 minutes or something like that. The ideal here is who else lines up with us? Now, let's start really drilling down, okay? So, if I look at my ideal customer, ideal client, what's the size and type of orders that they might place? What's the size or type of business that they may choose to do with you? Because you may say that, no, our whole strategy is around land and expand. We, we come in initially and we just want to get a small piece of business and then we expand. You may have a, a business model that says, no, no, we don't like land and expand. We come in, we want the whole, we want the whole piece right at the beginning. And if we don't get the whole piece, we don't want to do business. So you're 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 beginning to ask, okay, what how is this company now? How does this go? Well, let's keep moving through the list here. The types of customers. Now, the types of customers, isn't that what you already said, Mark? No, types of customers now are these service companies. Are they manufacturing companies? Are they companies that have multiple um, dispersed locations? Are they a centralized operational system? Well, what is it that, you know, who are the types of customers that you prefer working with? Now, if you're marketing, you're sitting here saying, how does this, see, how this affects you marketing? This is going to change how you do your messaging. This is going to change dramatically as to how and where and when you spend your marketing dollar. Let's go to number six, industry profile, SIC, NICS. And, and in other words, I, I, I've got some types of customers I like. Let's begin putting them through an SIC filter and see who else comes out. Because now I may have this one, but now maybe I can come up with 20 or 30. You see, what, what I'm saying is, is this going to be a, a bucket that I can take to the bank? Is this going to be a bucket that's going to be worthwhile, going to be big enough for us to work on? Number seven, geographical location. Is my business, because of what I do, geographically constrained in that we can only service customers in certain parts of the country or certain countries or certain areas? Geographical location, absolutely key in terms of understanding your ideal client profile. 
you know, who is the client that you want to be working with the most? Number eight, when and how do they buy? You see, seasonality. Seasonality enters in. This, this is huge. See, in other words, is there seasonality because, they, well, they, they normally only make this decision in the fourth quarter of the year, or they normally only make this decision in the first quarter of the year. In other words, this impacts significantly because as you develop your ideal customer profiles, you may have one ideal customer profile that is basically people who only make their decisions in the fourth quarter. You may have another ideal customer profile where you have people that are only making decisions in the second and third quarter. See, what does this do? This helps you manage your workload. Okay. Next piece. Is it replacement or education? What the heck does this mean? This is key. You see, is what I'm selling, is it viewed as a replacement for something that you're already using? Or is this something that I have to educate you on because you've never used it before? Now, stop and think about this. This is absolutely huge in terms of how this impacts your sales message, how it impacts your marketing message. Because if my issue is really about replacement, I, I, you're up to speed already. But if this is something you've never used, my sales process, my marketing message is probably going to be longer because it's more educationally focused. I got to educate you. Next one down there. Is it CapEx or consumable? In other words, is it a capital expenditure or is it a consumable? You may sell the exact same service, the exact same product. Some companies view it as a capital expenditure and others view it as a consumable. Okay. Which do you prefer? Which, which works best for your messaging? Which works best? Because what this is, this is going to change the questions you ask, who you meet with, how, you know, what is the process that you use from a marketing standpoint? This is going to change dramatically in terms of how you put your message out there. Next one down there. Is it budget versus expense? In other words, is this something that has to be budgeted? And if it's not in the budget, if it's not in the, the annual budget, I can't, uh, companies won't pay for it. Or is it something that, no, it's, it's seen more as a routine expense. And again, this varies dramatically by company and so forth, because you could be selling the exact same thing. But one company is going to look at it as a budget. One company is going to look at it as an expense. What does this do? This changes the questions you ask, what your expectations are, what your call to actions are. This changes everything. Let's keep moving through the list. Number 12, buyer position. So the buyer, who, who, who's the person who's going to buy? What's their position in the company? What, what, what type of role do they play? And is that role consistent across? In other words, you may have one buyer position in one ideal client profile. And in another ideal client profile, it may be a different position and that's okay, but it's going to help me understand where to focus my effort. Number 13, buyer profile. Who, who are they? Who are these people? Who, what's their background? What's their frame of reference? Where do they come from? What, what is their general career path up to that point? Where are they going after that? I want to, I want to have a buyer profile laid out. I was just on the phone earlier today with a VP of sales who their ideal customer profile, these are buyers who used to be boots on the ground making it happen. 
Well, that means their messaging is totally different than the buyer who is who has always been in this position. And they've never been boots on the ground, never been kind of a user of the product. The the buyer profile is this is this more from a purchasing standpoint? Is this buyer profile because they're, they they come from a finance background? Do they come from an operations background? Again, the tighter I know this, the more specific I can be with my messaging. How do they make buying decisions? Think about it. How do they make? Is is this? Are, are you dealing with with companies? Are you dealing with potential clients? where there's just one buyer who pretty much makes the decision because you're dealing with the CEO or the CO, or you're dealing with organizations where, you know what, they generally have to go to a committee. There are other people involved. There's a, there's a lengthy RFP process. There, there's a lengthy proof of performance concept. There, there, there's lengthy processes. And again, if I understand this and I know who I'm going in, it allows me to focus my time and effort much more efficiently. Um, 15, how will the product service be used? Now, oh, finally, finally, we get to number 15. And it's finally, how is the product or service going to be used? You see, now you begin to tie this back into all of these others that we've been talking about here. Now, what am I doing here? I'm helping you understand who your ideal customer is. And when you begin to understand who your ideal customer is, I can begin to understand what are the questions. Jim's going to be talking about this tomorrow in terms of messaging. What's going to be the messaging I'm going to use? I'm going to understand from a marketing standpoint, what are the tools, what are the platforms I need to be going after? I was working with a company just the other day that very much operates B2B, B2B, great, great product. They provide a tremendous outcome. And by going through this process, they have shifted all of their marketing, all of their marketing dollars from being very much broad focused to very much spot focused. And there is, they're using a lot more pay per click. They're using a lot more very focused in on that ideal client profile. And although they've been only in that strategy here for a short time, they're already seeing results. Because what they're realizing is that there were dollars that were being wasted because they were spending it on other, other vehicles that, yeah, it looked right. It really looked good. It was sexy. It was cool. It was neat. It was neat. But it wasn't doing anything for the brand. It was creating brand awareness, but it wasn't moving specifically. And this is where it's so key. This is, this is, why, this is why number 15, how will the product service be used, is so critical. Because all of their messaging now comes around downstream in terms of how is it going to be used. Now, look at number 16, potential obstacles. In other words, are there regulatory environment? Is there regulatory issues? Are there certificates? Are, 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 are there other things that come into play? Because again, here's the whole thing. Why do I want to spend time? And again, I was talking to somebody the other day. They, they had spent all this time trying to sell into this market. And they were moving it through just to find out that the industry operates with a very strong certification process. And they don't have certification. And suddenly, they're ground to a halt. 
And they're going to be ground to a halt for probably 90 days to probably six months while they get that certification taken care of. See, see again, do I know these? Now, why, why is this help? Because potential obstacles, this is also going to help keep other people out. Are there other potential obstacles from a regulatory standpoint, from a legal standpoint, Again, you look at look at at you look at government and and at the federal level. I'm not going to go political here on this, but you look at from a federal level. You know, we we we're seeing a different focus on different regulations, different areas of prior. How is this going to change? See, so what I want to do is I want to understand these. I want to understand where that comes into play because it may impact. Do I want to choose this ICP as one I want to focus in on? Or do I not want to choose it? Now, let's keep moving through the list here. 17, outside influences. Outside influences play a huge role because trade associations. Think about trade associations. You see, I can build a whole ICP around one particular segment of business if everybody belongs to one trade association then I know that that's the trade association I got to belong to. And I got to be, I, I can't invest enough time and effort into that trade association because my ICP belongs to that trade association. When I first got, when I first started my business, this was what I did. I had, I had two trade associations very closely aligned and all my ideal customers, all my ideal clients were, were members of that. So I, I banked book on those two trade associations everything I did. And it very much helped me launch my business. You got to be very specific. Is there a parent company involved? Now think about this for a moment. You know, in other words, and, and again, I, I was talking to an individual just the other day, just the other day in Germany, and he was dealing with a German company. But lo and behold, it was actually owned by an Italian holding company. Changed dramatically. So in other words, are there areas that I can leverage because in his particular case, Italian holding companies operate just a little bit differently than a German operating company. And what he was finding was he was running into some obstacles. Now, again, if he had known this up front and, and again, selecting your ICP, it's amazing how much more efficient you can be. Let's use this example. If I find I go through this and, and as I go through these 22 things, you're going to sit there and say, some of them don't necessarily apply to me. That's fine. Because it isn't that you're necessarily lining up with all 22. There are probably 15 or 16 that very much hit home. But see, for instance, this one will say Italian holding companies. So maybe I find that Italian holding companies are absolutely my sweet spot. So what do I want to do? I want to find out every Italian holding company and begin to back my way into it. Now, I'll come back, and if I get through the 22, I'm gonna walk you through here. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna show you a little bit as, as to how to kind of pull all of this together, okay? Let's go on, 17 or eight, 18, customers they sell to. So now we're going downstream. Who are the customers that they sell to? What is the similarity? What is the commonality? Because again, if I understand the business that they're in, because every business is in business to take care of another business, it again is going to help me in terms of defining my message. Number 19, culture values of the company. 
Uh, this is becoming more and more of a critical play. Very critical. Millennial and, and Gen Z very much, very much asking this question. They only want to deal with, with businesses that have a culture and values that line up to them, that line up. And same thing with us, same thing for, from, from a selling standpoint, same thing from more. We are known by the company we keep. So therefore, if we're going to spend time courting these companies and trying to turn them into clients, I want to make sure that they have cultures and values that line up with mine. Number 20, media footprint. Media. What does the media say about them? What's their social media look? What, what does it say out there about them? And what's the public perception? There are companies that have reached out to me who have wanted to do business with me. And I say, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because as I look at the ideal customer profile, their media footprint, their social perception is not what I want to be aligned with. I say, no, I, 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 I refuse to be aligned with you. I will not align with you. And what I find by this is it, it keeps me from compromising what we do as a company. 21, company structure. Is it public or private? Now, company structure, much more important than you realize. I have a wonderful friend of mine who has a, an unbelievable consulting business. And in his ICP, he only deals with private companies. No, he doesn't deal with just private companies. He deals with only second and third generation private companies. Because he has developed a level of experience, a level of knowledge that allows him to help second and third generation companies achieve a level of success that they never thought possible. He says, I get, I get public companies that reach out to me and I won't work with them. I will not work with them because it's not in my best interest long-term. I know what my niche is and I stay with that in terms of second and third generation private companies. Number 22, company growth plans. What's the growth plan? Because here's the whole thing. If I'm going to invest with you, if I'm going to invest with you in terms of trying to get you on as a client, trying to get you on as a customer, but you, you really aren't going to be in business two years from now, why do I want to do that? But if your growth plan is, is you, you have got an acquisition strategy, you've got a grocery, guess what? I, I, I want to grow with you. You see, there are people who I work with who will not, for instance, deal with late stage IPOs. Because late stage IPOs are many times in, in, in the industry that they happen to play in. I won't, I won't reveal the industry, but late stage IPOs is what happens is they do IPO and then they get bought out. And, and yeah. And so they, no, we don't want to invest in that because what's going to happen is I'm going to wind up spending a tremendous amount of sales effort, tremendous amount of marketing effort, and I'm going to wind up with people who I don't want to be spending time with. Because ultimately, it's not going to be the long-term customer value. Now, I'm going to walk you through a process here in just a second, but I want to share with you this. Now, some of you, if you know me, you probably have seen this slide before. You, you, you know I talk about this. If we can help someone, you know, you know if, if, if we have the ability to help someone, then it's our obligation to reach out to them. Now, think about this. See, when I go through this ICP, I now have everybody in this bucket. I know I can help. I know I can help. So therefore, it is my responsibility, 
my go back to that first slide I, I, I shared, the second slide, where I said, you know, a thousand people need what we have. See, if I can help them, I, I need to. Now, what does this mean? Well, here's where I had to change this slide for this group because, hey, sales and marketing is about taking the customer to a better place. Think about that. Because when we're both aligned on ICP, what does that allow us to do? It gets us to what I call CFT, customer facing time. And this applies to both marketing and sales. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to think about this for a moment. I went through 22 things. Hopefully you took notes. If you didn't take notes, send me an email, mark at the salescenter.com. I'll get you the list. Here's what I want you to look at. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go through those 22. And you may find that there's only 12 or 13 or 15 that apply to you. That's fine. You focus in on those 12, 13, 15. Okay. But your objective is to create this ICP. Now, here's what you do. When you have this ICP put together, what you want to then begin asking yourself, I'm going to address this from a sales standpoint and from a marketing standpoint. Okay. Sales standpoint first. You're a salesperson and you have some potential prospects. If they don't line up with at least to at least 70% of the profile of the ICP, I'm not going to spend time with them. 70% is the criteria that I use to help me know as to whether or not it's worthwhile. Now, because as much as I want 100%, I, I know there are other people that could be at 90 and 80% of the profile. In other words, they may not quite be in that industry, but boy, everything else sure lines up. Everything else lines up. Or, you know, I, I may deal with just, I want it to be a consumable, but they view it as a capital expenditure. Okay. You know, it, it, so there could be a few things off, but it's, they got to line up to at least 70% of your profile. And that's what you want to be zeroed in on. Now, marketing, where does marketing spend time? Marketing is a little different threshold. And the different threshold is whether or not the focus is on replacement or education. If it is on replacement, then I want my marketing efforts to be at least 80% aligned, at least 80% aligned, because it's replacement. So I'm not going to spend time chasing people that mm, aren't even using it. So I, I'm going to keep a pretty high threshold, see, and go back to that question, go back to one of the points where I said, you know, in terms of how, how do they use the product service? If it's educational, that this is what I'm doing is I have to educate the marketplace. I'm going to drop down to 60 and maybe even 50%. Because I've got to throw a little broader net because it's going to take me longer to bring you in. And, and because it's education, there may be other alternate uses that I haven't thought of, other alternate ICPs that I could ultimately be creating. You see, what does this do? This really helps me align my effort as a salesperson and my effort as a marketing person. Now, let's stop and ask ourselves this simple question. If I know what my ICP is and I'm a salesperson, and I'm tasked with making outbound phone calls. I'm tasked with developing leads. I'm tasked. It is going to be a heck of a lot better for me if when I'm making my calls and I'm reaching out to people and so forth, they have some knowledge of me. They have some knowledge of me because marketing has been able to message 
that same industry, that that same ICP over the previous three months, six months. See, the strategy that I use when I when I, when I work with companies, what we do is we develop who is the ICP. And the ICP may ultimately take us into a new industry. That's great. Before sales starts down that path, it's marketing's job to kind of bring in air cover. Marketing brings in air cover, brings in messaging, brings in, brings in all of this stuff to be able to begin creating a sense of awareness, sense of awareness. And then after I've reached a certain threshold, and it's going to vary by industry, it's going to vary by product. There, there's a lot of variable pieces that come into play. But after that, then sales begins making their calls. Now, the reason I do this is because marketing messaging, unfortunately or fortunately, is a low CPM. It's a low cost per thousand. Sales, on the other hand, from a messaging standpoint, because it's more one-to-one -one relational, is much more expensive. So I'm always going to lead off with my marketing first. And I might lead off by, but what does this do? It allows me to have more customer facing time. This is absolutely critical. I'm going to turn it back, back over to the guys here in just a second. I know we got some Q&A coming in. And I, I'm going to challenge you with, with this piece. If I look at those 22, which 15 or 16 best apply to me? And don't say it's just one or two. It's not. Because the tighter you can get with your ICP, and you may say that you're throwing customers away. I'm throwing these leads away. I'm throwing these leads away. It may feel that way initially. But here's what happens. You as a salesperson are going to become much more confident because now what happens is you're only dealing with customers in a certain industry, certain type. My friend who has a very, very good sized consulting business, only dealing with second and third generation people. Don't you think that he has an extreme level of confidence every time he talks to potential prospects? In that space? Yes, he does. He's confident. Now, what does confidence create? When I'm confident about what I'm speaking about, the customer has more confidence in me. The customer has more confidence with me, and I am in a position to create a bigger opportunity for you. And when I can create a bigger opportunity for you, you win and I win. This is one, this is one of the big, one of the big breakdowns and one of the big things that I see with in terms of SDRs or BDRs or however you want to call it. So, so you know, the solopreneur who's charged with making outbound phone calls or they're tasked with, they know if they if, if they don't make outbound phone calls, they don't eat. But what happens is they're spreading themselves too far. They're spreading themselves thin. Be very, very tight. The tighter I can become, because here's, here's the beautiful thing, and I don't want to steal Jim's thunder from tomorrow. Here's the beautiful piece. When I know what my CP is, I can develop 10, 20, 30 questions that are spot on. I can deliver, I, I can develop 10, 20, 30 messages that are spot on. And, and I, can, I can be so knowledgeable about that space. Go back to the numbers that they shared with at, at the beginning, 77% Forrester Research said customers feel the salesperson doesn't know enough about their business. This is what ICP is all about. Here's the whole thing. I'm going to share with you. Oh, my, my, my screen died. I, ha I have no idea what happened to my, oh, there's my screen. There it is. 
you don't you don't close a sale, you begin a relationship. That's what your ICP is all about. Hey, I'm Mark Hunter, the sales hunter. The book is a mind for sales. I talk a lot about it, but hey, let's turn it back over to you guys. Jump in, jump in. Well, that was terrific. Daryl, you're speaking, but I'm not hearing so you. So I'm going to jump in. That's good. We <laughs> unmute. That was, that was uh, I think Larry Levine said in the comments, we just got a PhD in ICP, Mark. That was so rich. Thank you. I saw that from Larry and I'm an actual PhD. And I agree. Right. Uh, that was that was terrific. And I, Mark, I just want to underscore something uh, that you said. As you were talking, I'm imagining that there are at least, and I see this in some teams that I work with. You're going down this list, and I can, I can almost hear some people going, "Wait a minute." For me, an ideal customer is somebody who's breathing and has access to a purchase order. You're cutting people <laughs> out of my funnel. Uh, what are you doing? But if you go through this process, and as you say, get tight, you have those great guidelines, the X factor of confidence, I think, really rises up. People uh, are more motivated to reach out. Uh, marketing people, those creating content, know that this is spot on. The salespeople are more uh, excited about entering into conversations and sharing stories and examples. That confidence factor, I don't know, Mark, if you can really quantify it, but I think that's real that comes out of this process. Well, it does because it changes your level of energy. It changes the yeah. level of energy that you have because when you're confident, it's amazing how much more you can get done. So if if I'm only selling into this very tight space, if my marketing effort is only in this very tight space, I can become a lot more confident. And then what happened? My, my energy goes up and I can just do that much more. It's just go, 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 go. Yeah, all of this. I mean, there's some good questions coming in. By the way, if you have a question you want to ask, put it in the uh, chat there in uh, in YouTube. You know, it, it, we got to cut through the noise right now. And there's a lot of noise. I was talking to a client right before this call, you know, and there's there's all there's this level of 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 corporate buzzwords that happen when you don't, haven't defined your ideal client, right? This like corporate buzzword soup, it's static noise. And we do it in marketing, we do it in sales, nobody pays attention. But when you get clear on that ideal client profile and you get the, you know, we, I don't want to bleed too far into gym tomorrow, but this is a perfect setup, right? Then you can create the message that's going to slice through the noise and get through the filter. Yeah, because if the customer is speaking French, now you're speaking French. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely. What the ICP is. Yeah. It's kind of like peeling back an onion, right? You're peeling back these layers. On the outer layer is, you know, efficiency, productivity, improved. <laughs> we get deeper and deeper into this. And these questions that you put out, 22 questions here, areas to think about, really are great points of conversation for sales and marketing. I mean, this is this, when we're talking about alignment here, sales and marketing can align around this. Uh, we've got a question here from Sabrina. Um, she says, I believe one of the most difficult parts is to define accurately the different segments. Any recommendation on how to segment customers successfully? What do y'all think? What I do is I start with the outcome. What is the mm -hmm. outcome that they achieve? That's that's why I put that right, right up front. Mm -hmm. What's the outcome they achieve? And then I begin to try to segment by customers. And what this does is this gives me now some experience. For instance, I, I'm in the uh, sales improvement space. Now I've got I've got several different outcomes that 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 I can deliver. I can I can help you 
onboard and get new salespeople up to speed faster. Okay, so that's an outcome. Mm -hmm. I can help motivate a sales force. So that's another outcome. Or I can help you break into higher profile customers. See, so I've got like three distinct outcomes. So then I can create my segment and my messaging around each each one of those three. Yeah, perfect. I love that mindset, first of all, because I'm outcomes is like I eat, drink, breathe, sleep outcomes. Buyers don't buy products and buy the outcomes those products deliver. Um, get your copy of Revenue Growth Engine. But this, you know, this whole whole idea of truly this goes back to that stat at the beginning, right? Is buyers are saying, you don't get my business. You don't understand the outcomes I want. We deliver corporate buzzword soup. We don't get to where we need to be to get through the filter unless we understand our ideal client. And uh, that's that's so powerful. Yeah, because the marketing message is too broad and the sales message is too broad. Mm -hmm. See? And so why should you earn a seat at my table? If, I, if I'm a customer, why should you earn a seat at my table? Unless I know you can help me. And that's I, right. need, I, I need marketing messages that begin to say, okay, you you are clearly somebody who I want to who I want to speak to. And then so when you contact me, when you reach out to me, yeah. And and now you're speaking. Uh, I speak French, you speak French. We're gonna have a conversation. That's right. Mark, Mark says, Hey, as you look at your ideal ICP clients who are really your best clients, what strategies do you use to gain introductions from those clients uh, and the companies they have a relationship with? Sounds like a book I, I read recently called High Profit Prospecting. Mark, <laughs> I just, just happen to have this a copy. Of right. hey, <laughs> I just want to say, in you fact, know, you know, we got, we got it. We got to put the bookends up there. There, there's the bookend. Okay. Anyway, anyway, you know, it's interesting yeah. because um, for for our marketing friends that are listening in, um, high profit selling and high profit prospecting. As I read those books, I thought that could be just as easily. It could be high profit marketing. I mean, it was. It was um, really, really good. Maybe we need to work on high profit marketing, Mark. That'd be fun. But um, but this, you know, yeah. the, the concepts in this book were really, really good. But let's get back to Mark's question yes. here. I'm sorry. So how do how do you get these how do you get these clients to get give you introductions and referrals? Here's here's what I'm doing. If 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 I'm sitting here selling in this space, those people are going to know other people in that space, and th and that's where I'm going to I'm going to come back and I'm going to say, hey, who else do you know? Who else? But I'm also going to use LinkedIn. I'm going to use LinkedIn as a tool because I'm going to be putting content out there that that is relevant to that ICP. I'm going to be making connections with people in that space, and I'm going to be simply picking up the phone and calling them. And here's the whole thing: if I call you and say, hey, Jim, you want to buy from me? You're going to go click. However, if I call you up, Jim, love to get your opinion on. X and it's something relative to your industry. You, you, are you going to probably take the time? Yeah, you're going you're, you're to create the. See, when our prospecting efforts are zeroed in on your interests, your need, and the magic word right now, the magic word is opinion. Opinion. Ask people there. Everybody loves sharing their opinion. Everybody loves sharing their opinion. Ask people what their opinion. Don't lead off by saying, "Hey, I'm a I'm a three time uh, uh, salesperson of the year award." Who cares? We've been in business since 1932. Look at the pictures of our building. Who cares? Right, building. Nobody's in it. Which yeah. brings what? us to the last question. I'm going to throw a softball at you uh, here, Mark. But and that is, you know, is we're now we've we've been through this year of massive pivots and shifts. Hopefully, we're shifting into. 
um, something new, whatever that is. How how are you seeing ideal client profiles shifting as we move into hopefully what is a post COVID post pandemic era? Yeah, they're not changing. They are not changing. What is changing is how we reach them. Mm-hmm. Authenticity. Over the last year, we have all been exposed to authenticity and transparency. Mm-hmm. This is absolutely. Remember the first couple of weeks of the pandemic, and if somebody had a dog barking in the background, it was like freak out time. Right. I. I now it's like who cares? You know, I. I have a dog. If my dog barks, I just go super sales dog. Just closed another sale. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm on. I'm on a sales meeting just uh, the other day and very high level salespeople. And one, one of the salespeople had their kid sitting on their lap. No big deal. No big deal. See, so authentic and transparency, two keywords that are going to stick with us post pandemic. And what does that lead to? It leads to integrity Mm. because I'll tell you what, everything is exposed in this pandemic world. Everything you can't, you can't fake it. Can't fake it. That's why the ICP is even more important because your level of expertise is going to be more critical than ever. You have got to you you you've got to have a PhD in your ICP. Yeah. <laughs> and there you have it. Here you go, Larry. <laughs> Talking about you, man. <laughs> no more empty suits. Tip of the hat to my uh, yeah. Selling for the Heart podcast co-host Larry Levine. <laughs> hey, Mark, this has been fantastic, and uh, thank you so much for your generosity today. We're looking forward. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you at the Outbound Conference coming up in June. And by the way, if you want to get a ticket to that, um, I'm assuming, Mark, you recommend that salespeople go to the outbound conference. Yeah. And you don't just, you don't come come yourself, but you bring your team. You know, always in years past, we had a lot of companies that used it as their kind of their incentive trip. And um, don't be, you know, again, we don't, we don't know where the pandemic's going to be come June. So, I mean, this whole thing, get your tickets now and, um, uh, and, and again, if, if you're hesitant, believe me, we've come so far in the last 90 days. Wow. It's going to be amazing what it's going to come. And, and again, we're keeping it very socially distanced. Everything, everybody's going to be, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be fantastic. This is gonna, because here's the whole thing. You don't know, you know, we didn't know we were in a pandemic until we were already in a pandemic, right? It's kind of like a recession. You don't know you're in a recession until you've had two quarters of negative GDP. Same thing with coming out. You don't know you're out of a recession until you have two positive quarters. Same thing with pandemic. We didn't know we were in a pandemic until we were already in it. So we won't know we're out of the pandemic until after we're out. Now, I'm not advocating anybody taking wild chances. But what I'm saying is that we got to be prepared because when things gear back up, I saw on CNBC.com this morning, they're talking about 10% GDP growth, 10%. In the yeah, back I, I think if you look across the optimism uh, indices and a lot of the indicators that are there, Mark, I suspect that you're right. I think we're at the beginning already of a, a strong recovery, but we won't know it until we're looking in the rearview mirror. But That's right now we good. have to be ready for it as it happens. And salespeople drive the economy. Fantastic. The economy is driven by business. Business is driven by salespeople and prospecting drives salespeople. That's why I love what I do. What a fantastic conversation today with Mark Hunter. I definitely want to challenge you to get together with your sales and marketing counterparts and work on your ideal customer profile. 
this is a very important time to get this work done, and it is a great step towards getting aligned. If you would like help with sales and marketing alignment, I'd like to point you to a new resource that I'm super excited about. It's the Sales and Marketing Alignment Intensive. This is six guided sessions that can help your sales and marketing get on the same page, get aligned, and get results. If you'd like to learn more, go to intensive.2021alignmentchallenge.com. That's intensive.2021alignmentchallenge.com. And as always, I want to encourage everyone out there in sales and marketing who's working to drive and thrive. This is time. We've got to get it done in 2021. And until next week, let's get going and let's get growing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Would you like to get complimentary access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook? Just text the word REVENUE to 21000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book. You'll get instant access to the audiobook so you can get ideas to help you grow your revenue so you can scale your impact. Text the word REVENUE to 21000 or go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book to get instant access. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you found ideas to help you drive exponential revenue growth so your business can make more of an impact. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, make sure to like or subscribe. It also helps us spread the word if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Of course, we'd love it if you would share this with your friends. Together, we are growing revenue so we can scale our impact.